It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Colin Powell, former Secretary of State, uh, dead at 84 from complications due to COVID-19. And uh, we'll start right off the top with Mark Meadows, former White House Chief of Staff under uh, President Trump, and also his new book, uh, The Chief's Chief. Uh, Mark, first, uh, right off the top, thank you for joining me. And Colin Powell, who has served a number of presidents, your reaction to this announcement? Well, obviously, we're all saddened by the the, the news of anyone passing that has been uh, certainly uh, a leader in uh, in uh, Secretary Powell. Obviously, his has not only distinguished himself in terms of his service to our country, but uh, candidly was always outspoken uh, on on a variety of, of issues. So it's, uh, you know, certainly our, our prayers and thoughts go out to his family and, and those uh, friends and loved ones that uh, are grieving his loss. I think it's the right approach. I agree with you, Mark, and thank you for uh, that response. Uh, let's get right into the meat of this, uh, the story now picking up some steam, at least in some quarters in the media. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Trump administration and gain-of-function research, you were there in the White House. You were there in the conversation. So let's start there. What is it about gain-of-function that Fauci wanted, and what was your position and the president's position? Well, uh, when you look at at what uh, has now come to light, uh, the very fact that we've got a a virus that now has become a pandemic across the globe, you know, the the chances of of that happening in an evolutionary fashion, where it jumps from a bat to a person in in a short period of time, uh, is is not very high. In fact, I would subscribe to uh, the very, uh, you know, strong evidence that this leaked from uh, the Wuhan lab and, and the problem that we have, and I, I, you mentioned uh, the chief's chief, I outline it in my book uh, that will be coming out, is, is that we were surprised at the White House that not only this, this type of fun, uh, funding was going on, but that it had been uh, restarted uh, with very little, uh, if any, uh, notice uh, to anybody in the administration, certainly not any notice to anybody in the the uh, West Wing and uh, the NIH and and uh, and many over in uh, that uh, arm of the uh, agency basically uh, conducted this type of research that uh, I know Dr. Fauci has said that that didn't happen uh, under sworn testimony in Congress, uh, but all the evidence would suggest that uh, at, at best, they're equivocating on their words, and at worst, uh, that's just not a factual statement. And so, uh, so we terminated. Actually, it was uh, after me watching uh, uh, a segment on Tucker Carlson. It came up. I was just totally shocked and surprised, and uh, called Secretary Azar that evening and said, "We're going to end that fu- uh, the funding," uh, but that wasn't the end of the story. Well, that seems to be the beginning of the story in a sense. What was it 
like to deal with Anthony Fauci in this respect uh, when it came to gain of function research? The contradictions are out there. Uh, he also went on to deny that even even that gain of function research creates new deadly viruses. The very nature of gain of function is to increase the functionality or the deadliness. So what was it like and what were the conversations, specific elements of the conversation that you detail in your new book? Well, probably the biggest thing that it comes to a surprise to most of your listeners and and most of the American public is is something that this is this uh, consequential uh, really was not something that was uh, talked about. And in fact, uh, there are more emails and more uh, of of what happened and didn't happen during the early days of the outbreak of, of the coronavirus in, in January and February uh, than, than really were talked about in, in months and months and months. So, so my concern is, is, you know, why, why did we have to find out about this funding of the Wuhan lab? which had been going on for some time, uh, but continued to go on. Uh, why did we have to find out about it uh, instead of directly from Tony Fauci? But why did we have to find out about it watching uh, a Fox News show at, at the evening? Uh, the president called me late that evening and said, you know, we've got to, to end this funding. And 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 we did, uh, but it was not without pushback. And, and the pushback from the NIH was that we needed to continue to fund it and how could we just terminate it just uh, based on that. And for me, it was the American taxpayer dollars that needed to uh, stay here at home and and not go to some lab that no one had ever heard of until uh, this virus uh, went beyond Wuhan, Wuhan, China. And so uh, it would not surprise me, Dave. It would not surprise me at all just based on the tenacity of uh, the advocacy that was going on uh, for this funding that it has been restarted under the Biden administration. And I think somebody has to look at it. Somebody needs to look at it. And yet uh, it was it was one that that uh, Dr. Fauci and some of his colleagues were very uh, quietly advocating for in the middle part of 2020. I want to go back in time, but there's a there's a there's a consistent track here in the National Institute of Health. December 19, 2017 was when the NIH lifted a three year moratorium on funding gain of function research. Now, that's a three-year moratorium that puts this squarely in the middle of the Obama-Biden second term. We're talking about an administration that had issues at some point, so they stopped it. But yet under Dr. Fauci, they continued it, but even more so, the research was being done, and I still have trouble reconciling the logic of this, that this was a formalized collaboration with the Chinese Academy of Military Sciences. And then NIH Director Francis Collins was at the center of this. So what we're talking about is working with the Chinese Communist Party, not, I would say, in kind of the American view of things, a private lab even that would be looking into something. But on top of that, we trained their scientists in Galveston. To me, the decision process here seems incredibly flawed, to say the least. 
Well, it's flawed in in a number of ways, but but candidly, where it is flawed the most is there is a strong uh, uh, belief at NIH and other parts of HHS that uh, we need to continue to fund and collaborate with our Chinese counterparts, whether that is uh, through this effort or whether it's through other UN efforts, that it will give us access to their country. It will give us access to what is going on uh, in terms of potential outbreaks of, of uh, contagious viruses uh, like the coronavirus. The, the problem with that, that logic is that it's flawed. It didn't stop stop anything. It, it certainly, uh, we were uh, oftentimes kept out of China. And really, when it came to getting to the bottom of, of what happened, when it happened, and how it happened, we weren't given access. So we're giving them the money without getting the access that so many of those that advocate for taxpayer dollars going to China, uh, it, it's, it's not happening. And it, it continues today to not happen. We still have not gotten to the bottom of it. Uh, you know, there was this 90-day review on the the origins of the virus uh, that Biden had uh, had uh, put forth after he had canceled the original investigation to it, and and we still uh, do not have access, nor will we have access. I mean, uh, they do the, the what I call the diplomatic Heisman and keep us from coming in, and uh, and and it's it's a logic that is is based on a false premise. The the track, as I look back at this, uh, does not meet what you're talking about, right? Standards that should have been in place. We were supposed to have people at NIH supervising oversight. Have you seen any oversight reports on the Wuhan lab when it comes to gain-of-function research? Or to what level have you seen any oversight reports at all while you were in the White House? Well, we saw zero, uh, and, and honestly, the gain of function uh, funding uh, was was even something that when we cut off funding, they they tried to suggest that it was just normal research funding that that they do, and uh, and had nothing to do with with gain of function. We now know that uh, that ban was lifted by by NIH, which is problematic because you know can you imagine the outrage of of so many Americans if they say, well, uh, it was our federal government that allowed for the gain-of-function research that potentially uh, released the very virus that so many people are catching out of a Wuhan lab. I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond uh, negligent. It is, it is just uh, uh, a sad commentary on the fact that not only was there not oversight, but, that, you know, listen, they put out uh, so many of these grants, billions and billions and billions of dollars every year uh, with very little to show for it. This one, though, seemed to be uh, something that uh, the the people at HHS really wanted to advocate for strongly. And uh, uh, as I say, uh, President Trump, uh, you know, and I outline it, made a quick decision within, literally within a couple of hours, made a decision to uh, eliminate uh, uh, this funding, uh, you know, in the chief's chief, we we talk about how quickly he makes uh, decisions, but it it was was one of those uh, times that the decision he made not only was right, 
But then uh, those in the administration were trying to undermine his decision and have him go back. And fortunately, we did not let that happen. My guest, former White House Chief of Staff under President Trump, Mark Meadows, his new book, The Chief's Chief, you know, in those circles and in these meetings, and we watch this play out in part with a great deal of transparency from the Trump administration, daily briefings, updates. And, you know, you look at the players that were there. Fauci was the most inconsistent player on the team, to use the sports analogy. Uh, he would make statements that were contradicted by his earlier statements. I looked for the data, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he wasn't always able to follow any data. It just seemed to be more statements and projections of what he believed, even in contradiction. Well, they were. I mean, uh, he, he would he would be able to take both sides of every issue uh, on, a, on a regular basis, not only in public, but certainly in private as well. And I think that that was the frustration for a number of us. You know, he kept saying, well, we're going to science, but it wasn't really following the science. It was, was following whatever commentary he happened to make in, in the public arena on that given day. And so whether it was wearing masks or whether it was uh, – uh, certainly on how contagious it was going to be, what the the trends were going to be. You know, even as recent as saying that, uh, you know, that the showing up at football games are going to be super spreader events. Well, it just hasn't happened. And, uh, and, and so it rhetoric does not make for good science, and it certainly doesn't make necessarily for a good bureaucrat. There was a media component to this in the type of reporting underway. And just to what you mentioned, uh, for instance, football games, college games, tens of thousands of people, massless gathering. They report on infections, even with the Delta variant, when the numbers go up in the media. There's very little attention to other important part data points. Uh, it comes as a lag, but uh, case fatality rates, recovery rates, and something missing in all of this. And Mark, looking back to your time in the White House to now, the fact that we hear very little about the you know recovery rates and case fatality rates, even broken out by age groups, those who are more vulnerable, those who are not. How do you assess the media and their role in this? Well, sadly, the media many times all they wanted was a a, a, a counter, uh, a, a clock on the wall that uh, presented uh, the most nefarious of, of purposes behind every decision, but but also painted a more bleak picture in some areas. And let's, so let's take children, for example. One of the things that we uh, attempted to get out during uh, uh, the last year of the Trump administration was the danger to children, that flu was six times more dangerous uh, in terms of, uh, of potential death than, than COVID-19. And, uh, and that's by the only their their CDC's own standards. And so when we started to look at this, you know, uh, we created panic in our schools 
when uh, bluntly every year during flu season, uh, children uh, faced a, a more a difficult time avoiding uh, uh, a very um, uh, life-changing event for a family uh, with, with the flu, and and yet it wouldn't get out, and and so uh, part of that I I, I believe was uh, just the political environment we were in, uh, you know, an election year, and and uh, and it sold very well for for anybody wanting to push back on the Trump administration. But the other part of it is is just a negligence on getting the the facts out, and and uh, we. The, Tony Fauci, NIH, and others at CDC um, needed to do a better job of actually showing what the risks were. Uh, you know, we saw Governor DeSantis do that in Florida and say, you know, we're going to protect those that are over 65 and those that have uh, immune systems that were, um, you know, uh, jeopardized or not as strong as some that would be younger. And, and it made a huge difference in terms of the way that they mitigated some of this. My guest, Mark Meadows, former White House chief of staff, actually the chief, as they called him at the White House, his new book, The Chief's Chief, uh, Inside the Trump White House. It, was there, Mark, uh, and to what extent was there a difference between how the White House saw China, I, I would say from my outside observation, more honestly as a very complex relationship, uh, whether it be the virus uh, economic uh, competitiveness, economic issues, political, and also the fact that China is an outward actor around the world for their cause, the Chinese Communist Party. The difference between how the White House saw and dealt with China, including this virus, and how they were being projected, and some say maybe even protected in the media here, more in the left-wing media. Well, they were being protected. Uh, you know, President Trump and uh, and many in his administration were willing to hold them accountable, not just on the the COVID nineteen, but you mentioned it, both economically, the way that they uh, tried it and did use their their supply chain. Uh, to uh, to try to leverage that for their own benefit, and yet it went largely unreported, largely ignored, and uh, part of that is because of the complex nature that is out there and how we have a global economy. The other part of it is is that they were not willing to hold China accountable. Listen, uh, we we should have been able to to. Uh, actually have intel early on, Dave, uh, from China in terms of this virus. And yet they remained silent. They gave false numbers. They still give false numbers on how many people were affected in uh, in their home country. And, uh, and so much of the outbreak in Italy and certainly the outbreak in the United States came as a direct result of a lack of transparency from our Chinese counterparts. And yet they had people in the media willing to uh to be their uh, their shield when it came to uh what they did you know even people criticizing Donald Trump for getting out of the World Health Organization when when the WHO was 
was drawing all kinds of wrong conclusions, and uh, and certainly it was Chinese influence. And yet you saw very little of that. I, that's why I appreciate you being willing to tackle this head on. I think if more Americans understood the threat that is out there, uh, they would hold their government accountable to hold China accountable. It seemed to be a battle between any reasonable approach and as a molecular biologist at Rutgers, Dr. Ebright referred to Dr. Fauci, the father of gain of function research and in some ways mark a bureaucracy and bureaucrats protecting bureaucrats and bureaucracies. There's a lot more to come. I know the book comes out on November 9th. Uh, I hope we can get you back in here to talk about the details. There's a lot more in there than just your uh, involvement in conversations with Dr. Fauci. Well, there is, and I look forward to sharing it with you and all your listeners. And, uh, you know, it's available for pre-sale now, but I think it'll make... uh, uh, there are a lot of stories that uh, only President Trump uh, can tell, and, and so I share some of those, and I think a lot of uh, readers will find them very, very interesting. The unvarnished facts, the truth. That's all we ask for out here at the Patriot audience. Mark, thank you very much. Thank you, David. Take care. God bless. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.